This is the Sister Squad with Morta, Nona, and Dekuma. <laughs> Nona. Nona. We'll just stop right now. <laughs> All right. Welcome to the Sister Squad this week. We are excited to bring you a new episode. And this week we wanted to talk about all things Dolly Parton. Yay! Woohoo! <laughs> Go Dolly! Um, Nona, what uh, what is your favorite thought about Dolly? What do you think when I say Dolly Parton? I don't know. I I really like her. She, I think her music. I like. Um, I what I like about her is how kind she is. You know what? How she thinks about other people. That is you know? what stands out to me also. She is um, always kind. She will not state her politics on anything, and I do love that because she's an entertainer, and she just doesn't feel like that is her business, that that's her place. She just wants to entertain people, and she has kind of dedicated her life to helping others, and so she just stands out. Well, I also like the other thing that, because I watched that thing on Netflix last night to try and catch up, because I had never really watched anything on her before. I really liked how she just, like, she just shows, like, goal setting. Like, she was just going to be the best. And I mean, she's got a lot of talent and stuff, but she just said it, it never occurred to her that she couldn't be exactly what she wanted to be. And I thought about that, because as we have been talking, uh, Marta and I have been talking, or Morta, excuse me, have been talking <laughs> That's me. recently about about um, the victim mentality, raising, like, this, we've got a whole generation of people that are raising their kids, telling them that they're victims, that they can't be something, or that someone else is holding them down, someone else thinks they're not good enough, somehow they can't achieve something. And I like how you've got like Dolly Parton coming from middle of nowhere, thinking that she could be anything she wanted to be. She was. Yep. And I think that what she overcame is like much more difficult than I think what a lot of people, there are a lot more tools now for people to, you know, to succeed than, you know, back then. So that was impressive to me, like her can-do attitude. Well, and I love Could the fact. Could use some of that, probably. Yeah, that she, everything about her is about hard work, too. Mm -hmm. And her, all of her dreams that she set for herself, she just knew that she had to work hard. And that's what yep. her dad taught her and her mom taught her. And so yep. that's kind of what her, her life has been. I think the victim mentality doesn't serve anyone very well. Right. Well, it's never it's never shown success. So, Morta, what what do you what did you find out about? So, Dolly? I took a deep dive, deep dive into all things Dolly, because <laughs> I don't work as many days a week as my sisters in the squad, and so I've had time to like. So I listened to the Dolly Parton's America. If you haven't listened to that podcast, um, I know that it's on Spotify. I know that it's on Apple. Um, and or iTunes, you know, and it's I don't amazing. know what I listened to it on, but I loved it. It's amazing um, podcast, and it's about seven episodes. It might be five, five to seven. I don't remember. 
and she just talks to this young kid and he's like he's not super young he's in his 20s somewhere and um but his parents were first generation uh pakistani immigrants they left pakistan when their home was in civil war and um so this kid grew up in tennessee where she's from and he saw dolly parton's picture on billboards because they had dollywood you know and so he knew all about dolly but really nothing about dolly and as it turned out, his father is a physician. And somehow, uh, when Dolly Parton was injured in an accident a few years ago, his dad ended up treating her. And then he ran into her again. I can't remember how. But they ended up striking up this crazy friendship. And um, so this podcaster decided to like ask his dad... Because he and ran into a friend in New York who just idolized Dolly Parton. And she was just telling him, like, you don't know anything about her. She's amazing. She's the best thing since sliced bread. you got to learn about her. And so he asked his dad if he would, like, kind of trade on that friendship and see if she would um, submit to an interview. And she did. And then once she started talking to him and realized that he was serious about telling about her life from her point of view... Then he had several interviews because the the podcast is at least seven hours. It took me two days of listening to it straight to go through it. And he asked her a bunch of questions and, and kind of he sort of saw her as like that, the the punchline, you know, with the big boobs and the, you know, the teased blonde hair and Dollywood. He's like where other kids who maybe lived in New York would go to the Statue of Liberty on their, their field trips. They went to Dollywood. So he always knew all about her, but really just knew nothing about her life. And he was just so shocked that his father, this physician, a Pakistani immigrant, and Dolly Parton are just such tight friends. And so at some point during the podcast, like I don't know how many episodes in, he interviews his dad about, he's like, I really didn't plan on going here. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, but like, why, like, what do you have in common? And, you know, so Dolly Parton was born in 1946. Um, her parents, she was the fourth child of 12. And her parents were so poor that when the doctor came to deliver her, her father um, paid him with a sack of cornmeal. That's That was the payment for delivering this baby. And his dad grew up in Pakistan in the hills in like a one room home with his siblings. So even though he was from, his dad was from Pakistan and Dolly Parton was from the Appalachian. That's how they say it in the Thank podcast. You. Yeah. Yeah. I always thought it was Appalachian peeps. It's not, mm -hmm. it's Appalachian from the people who live there. Um, mountains that they really had a similar upbringing of living in the mountains and kind of being at one with nature and that sort of thing. And so, so that's kind of how she grew up, you know, was just in very, humble humble circumstances and a lot like if you're a fan of Loretta Lynn which we all are and being a coal miner's daughter her uh, Dolly Parton's dad and her upbringing is pretty similar um, to Loretta Lynn's like grew up in the mountains uh, not uh, not a lot of money and a lot of hard work one room schoolhouse but they were a very musical family and her she had an uncle who believed in her 
and he started dragging her down into Tennessee. They lived near Nashville, but not really close, but pretty close, you know, a few hours away. And he would drag her down to Nashville and get her to play and sing because she had talent. And this uncle had talent as well. Like they wrote some songs together. As long as her uncle lived, they were writing songs together here and there. And um, they ran into Johnny Cash. I don't know if it was in a bar or somewhere around in Nashville. And and her uncle, I mean, he just had moxie. He would approach anyone to sell. He's Dolly Parton said, and she said that like I was a vacuum cleaner and he was a door-to-door salesman. And she, they ran into Johnny Cash and said, well, she really wants to, she said, I want to sing on the Opry. And that's when she was 12. And... By the time she was 13, they, he got her, he must have pestered people and they heard her singing. And after she was 12, they cut that first record. You could go somewhere and sing in a booth and they would, you know, an hour later hand you your record. And, um, it was a song that she and her uncle had written and I forget which song it was, but she sang on the Opry when she was 13 and she knew her parents listened every week or was it every Friday night? I don't remember. It was once a week. Yeah. Yeah. And she knew that her parents would be listening. And Johnny Cash was the one who introduced her Aww. on the Opry when she was 13. I love Johnny Cash. <laughs> so, I mean, so just going back again to that, like, hard work, you know, at the end of her. So I listened. I read her book that's out of print called Dolly, My Life and Other in- Unfinished Business. And then I bought the hard copy and got the audible version of her new book that was released last around Christmas time. It's called Dolly Parton, My Life in Lyrics, Song Teller. And Which, by the way, I had to buy for my daughter because she yes, has loved Dolly Parton forever. And she's 22, and I saw this coffee table book come out, and I thought, oh, she is going to die for that. So this was her Christmas gift, one of them. Um, Amazing. And she absolutely loves it. It's got her songs in it and stories in it and pictures. pictures. Beautiful. And, you know, at the end of... You know what? Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I always wondered about the hair and the bust line. You know, I I always wondered about that. And when I watched that thing on Netflix last night where she talked about it was like her her shtick, I guess, that she figured she'd dress up like a clown, basically, you know, draw attention. She didn't say clown, but that was kind of the impression I got. And... And to get attention, and then maybe people would hang around and, you know, after she had their attention and hang around to see see what she had to offer, I guess. And then she just kind of stayed with that. I guess it worked for her, and she just stayed with that. But I thought that was really interesting that that was a – I mean, you kind of knew it was deliberate. But, you know, some people – some people dress up or, you know, kind of do like, you know, the botch surgeries and stuff that we talk about. But I thought it was really interesting that she had done that deliberately just for attention. Well, you career. know, she was, I mean, her, she's clearly had implants now, but her bust in like, if you look at her song teller um, book and look at her pictures early, early when she was in high school, when they had not, uh, you know as my, our mother would say, a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of. She was very large busted and very little, you know, like she came with that and then she enhanced it as time went on. 
And she did say, she's like, do you, why do you think I put them out there? I want people to look at them. <laughs> and she also, in one of the articles I read, was like that they didn't have, like they didn't have newspapers, very few magazines. Like, so they were exposed to nothing up in the mountains. Like very few books, which we got to talk about the Imagination Library later. Uh-huh. But like she had very little things to look at as far as like fashion or whatnot. And they call it the Trump, the trollops or the strumpets or whatever like the she thought that the you know essentially streetwalkers prostitutes sex workers whatever you want to call them like she thought they were the most beautiful people when she was little and her dad you know thought her, her grandpa her grandpa who was a pentecostal holy roller pastor was like that was trash and she's like how could that be trash they're just gorgeous they're just the most beautiful people well and she would she would put makeup on with with like dyes dyes from vegetables and, and nature. like berries. I guess I should just say from nature. Nature. And and do her lipstick and everything and hide out from her mom and dad and wear high heeled <laughs> shoes and stuff her feet in it because she thought those those trollops that were just the most gorgeous thing. And before hey, she ever got boobs, she'd stuff her bra. One, I looked at the one close up and she looked like Bozo the Clown, her makeup on on that Netflix thing. I mean, her makeup was so like, you know, she had the red lips and red cheeks and blue eyes. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, like and mom told me one time I put too much makeup on. She, I came out, she told me I look like the deburger clown <laughs> to go take some of that off. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, but I never looked anything like that. I thought it was funny. She's, she has loved makeup since she was little. Yeah, it's, I mean, so it was, she did do it purposefully, but she really does love it. Like, that's what she likes to look like. Uh-huh. So, so anyway, let's see. She, so she came out of the mountains when she was uh, 12 and 13, but, and then her, she and her uncle would drive around Nashville and play honky tonks and like just do whatever they could. And she really, even though she'd cut a couple of records, you know, it was all radio play, and I really do feel like that the coal miner's daughter, Loretta Lynn's story, kind of gives you an idea of what it was like to try and get, you know, your record played on the radio at that time. And so essentially, they about the time she was 16, they pretty much told her, you know what, go back home and finish high school, which she did. She didn't want to, but it was really important to her dad, and I think she was the first one in her family to graduate high school. And the next day, she wasn't even super excited about graduation. She was so excited about the day after graduation because she packed up and and left and went to Nashville, you know, to get to be famous. And it was a lot of hard work, and she was just willing to do what it took. And she talks about sometimes she was so hungry that she would go into hotels and people had ordered room service, like, and put their cart outside their room. She would, like, take the lids off and see if they anything good that was, like, a half-eaten sandwich or whatever because she was hungry. And she's like, it's funny what you'll do when you're hungry, you know, just anything that she could do to get by. And then, oh, I, I've got some things marked, like, for, um, for some of her experiences. There's one in here, how she met her. Oh, I got to tell you about her dad and the... The snake revival. So remember her her grandpa's a holy roller pastor. And she and her sister. So like she's not the only one in her family that's musical. Obviously her uncle, which we've talked about. 
but her sisters, everybody could sing. You know, she just really was the one with ambition, um, the most ambition and the most, you know, success. And um, so she and her sisters are singing, and I guess the the pastor, which wasn't her grandpa at this time, remember Holy Rollers, was coming up behind him, and he had snakes, like those poisonous snakes, and he's like doing this charming thing. And her dad would never step inside of a a church. That's not how he chose to worship God. It was like that came from her mom. It was her, her mom's dad, who was the pastor. So he came in. Her dad had snuck in the back of the church to listen to his girls sing. And here he sees this pastor, some not their grandpa, with these snakes by his, by his daughters. And he says, gosh damn, but he didn't say gosh damn. I can't believe I said gosh damn in a church because he said, get those snakes away from my girls. You get them gosh damn snakes away from my kids. And he went up to the front, grabbed his daughters and, and you know, dragged them out of the church. And his her mom had always wanted her dad to go into church and declare himself to the <laughs> Lord. And that was it. That's all she got. That was his declaration. That was his declaration. Her mom was was not um, super excited about that. Any thoughts in here that Nona from your your um, documentary? Um, I I thought it was really interesting. One thing that I always knew about is that her husband is it Carl? Yep. Yes. I think is that he just you know people didn't know him. Nobody's he's not out there. People don't know him. And I was just thinking about, like, for her to be so famous, like on our podcast, we talk about our husbands all the time. People know more about our husbands (laughs) than probably about Dolly Parton. And she's like a world, you know, she's like known over the world. She just kept her marriage so incredibly private. I also wondered, too, about the story when she was talking about Jolene and telling the story when she was on the stage, when she talked about getting the fight with the lady in the bank yeah did you watch that yeah i was so it sounds like maybe someone was after her husband i wondered like i'd heard kind of things about their marriage but i always kind of wondered how well you know like after listening to like reading the book and then reading the other book and listening to it um actually her husband sounds a lot like your husband he is super happy for her to do whatever and he didn't really have anything going on with the redheaded cute girl at the bank, but he had a crush on her. <laughs> like he just liked her and she talked to him and, and um, it's funny in the one book, she says that the, the girl was super cute. And in the other one, she's when I was listening to the audible, she's like, yeah. And I was a little jealous. <laughs> and so she did write that about him, but he went, when she won her first, it was a BMI award. And I don't know what BMI stands for. It's real early country music awards. And he got all dressed up in a tux. And um, they get there. And it's when she was working with Porter Wagner. And we'll have to talk about him next. And um, and she won, like they won song of the year or something. I don't remember what it was that they had won. And they got home or they got back out into the car and he like pulls his tie off and he said, I am so happy for you and you're amazing and I will support you in whatever you do, but do not make me dress up like a penguin again. I don't like it. It's not fun. Just, just let me stay home and I'll just watch it on TV. 
And so he just, that, that just wasn't, funny. it just wasn't him. He just didn't like the spotlight. He's, he's quiet, but he's not shy. And, um, she tells lots of stories about him, but he's just kind of a homebody and he doesn't like it if she's gone for more than a couple of weeks. They don't, you know, they've been married for 50 some odd years, but, um, uh, -huh. uh, if she's gone too long, then he gets lonely without her. But, um, but he's happy to, to do his thing at home. And he, the one friend of hers, they went to her house and she had never met him. And, um, her friend, I think her name's Laura or something. I can't remember what her friend's name is. Oh no, it's Judy Ogle. So they're at Judy's house and Judy looks out and Judy's dad had like kind of a junkyard sort of next door, next door. And there was some guy going through the stuff and Judy's like, there's some guy going through all that stuff over there. We got to go get him out of there. And it was, it was Carl. He was like going out there to see if there were any treasures, you know, and this is after Dolly was making good money, you know? So he's just kind of on his own little program and likes to be at home on their, their ranch in Tennessee. So, but she met him in a laundromat and he wouldn't leave her alone. It reminded me of dad and mom. <laughs> he just kept coming back while she was, she was babysitting some kid and she'd do laundry during the day. And he just came every single day. And, and then he took her on their first date to meet his mother. <laughs> it was their first date. And and then it wasn't too long. He was joining the service. What war would he have been serving in? Nope, it was just the National Guard. And um, he had never told her that he loved her. And she asked him, she's like, are you going to tell, are you ever going to tell me that you love me? He's like, well, you know that I love you. <laughs> like, do I have to say it? <laughs> Please. Yeah, she, she told him. She's told him several times. Well, it does remind me of mom talking about dad saying, you know, she couldn't get him to leave her alone. So she just finally had to marry him because <laughs> well, he yeah. wouldn't go home. She, yeah, he shows up <laughs> in her apartment, won't leave. She's and going she's on, going a, on a, date. a date. And he washes her hair for her. He washes her hair in the sink for her so she can go on her date. And then he's there when she got back. <laughs> <laughs> And never left. And thus we see. Don't let someone yeah. wash your hair unless you want to marry him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Nona, here's a couple of quotes from the, the book that's out of print. Somebody asked her at the end, there's some questions and answers. And the question was, how poor were you really? And she's just so funny. She says, well, I'll put it this way. The ants used to bring back the food they'd taken from us because they felt sorry for us. And... <laughs> Um, this one I really liked. They said, I read somewhere, and remember this was printed in 1994. I read somewhere the Sheik offered $5 million to spend the weekend with you. Is that true? And she said, do you think if I had done that, I would tell you? Now excuse me while I go vacuum the sand out of my drawers. <laughs> <laughs> she, this, that was her gift. Is She was funny, and people would ask her awkward questions or put her on the spot, and she would just say something so witty and cute and just turn it around on them. Right, just right back at them and they just didn't know what to say and if you counted the times i watched the one clip of how many times she was interviewed and guys asked her about her boobs I, I, over and yep. over and over and over again and that's when she said like you know you're judging by today's standards right and she's like well i put them out there what do you think i put them out there for <laughs> yeah <laughs> you <Yep>. know <laughs> so it was her little gimmick and but she did love she loved the makeup and the hair and everything, but at the same time, she used it to her advantage. Like, hey, 
Well, she was a woman in a man's world um, in the, I mean, because she was born in 46. And so she was what, like, she would have graduated from high school in what, 64? Yeah. Because she's mm-hmm. four years younger than 63, mom. 63, 64. Mm-hmm. So in that that time that she, she did what she had to do, you know, to... How old was she when she went to the Porter Wagner show? So she was 22. We got to talk about Porter Wagner. Because I... Did you guys know about this? Like, did you... I... This was like flew over my head until I listened to uh, Dolly Parton's America. I had no idea who Porter Wagner was. I had no I, idea that she was on a show. I knew she was on a show. I, I didn't know him. And I still don't know who he is. Like, I mean, I know that he's famous. I know their whole story now. Yeah. Because I'd listened to it a year ago. Right. And I told you, like, you've yes. got to listen to this I know, this and podcast. I don't how, you know, I'm always listening to murder. If a story doesn't start with a dead body, I don't want to listen to it. And this was, like, a rare exception. And I, it's been delightful, like, kind of reading about her. So, anyway, Porter Wagner was the number one. He had the number one show on TV. And somebody in Loretta Lynn was the number two. Because Loretta Lynn also got her start in a similar type of oh, country music variety show. Didn't either. Listen to it in the, the song teller book. So anyway, so she, he was number one with this uh, woman, Norma Jean. And she had a beautiful voice. I listened to her. And kind of like their harmony, uh, Porter Wagner's and Norma Jean's harmony was really very similar. She had a lot lower voice than Dolly Parton. Anyway, Norma Jean got married. She wanted to move and leave the show. So he was looking for a, a woman. And at this point, Dolly had had a couple hits. And she was doing pretty good on her own. She was 22, so she's been away from home for four years. And she actually had a, a song that hit the charts. and But she was writing songs like crazy and sending them to Porter Wagner for him. And he she was writing duets for him and Norma Jean to sing on the show. Because that's how she was making money as well, was songwriting. And by the way, she's written like 3,000 plus songs and had them recorded by herself and like dozens of other um, singers. But anyway, so he calls her over to their his office and asks her to bring her, her guitar. So she does. And she thought that he was going to ask her to sing one of the songs and, you know, that she had written for her and Norma Jean, him and Norma Jean. And so she did. And he asked her to sing something. And she did. And then he said, I want to offer you the job as the little girl on my show. That's what he called it. Like, I listened to that podcast. And every time he says her name, this is this little gal. It's so, you know, the patriarchy. It's yeah. the patriarchy. Yes. <laughs> like, this little gal, Dolly Parton. And so anyway, she starts on the show with him. And her voice is so high. You know, people didn't really like her that first year. She almost got booed. You know, she, she got booed the first episode. Yeah. And in the break, in the commercial break, he walked out and talked to the audience and told them, hey, like... I picked her. I I picked her. Norma Jean's gone. She's not coming back. And it was her choice to leave. And so I need you to open your arms and... Your hearts for Dolly. And and let her in. And, And they did. So he really kind of saved her. Yep. Gave her the chance. And that's why she... We'll always love him. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so anyway, so she told him when she started working for him, I'll work for you for five years. And that's what I've got. She was 22 years old and she ended up working for him for seven years. And she said, you know, like they really had a confrontational relationship. Um, she, 
they did a lot of duets, but he did talk down to her so much, oh, like so on much. the on the show. And I know that they've only picked the clips that show that for us to see, but it does show like why, you know, why she wanted out. So anyway, well, she's just her personality when she says she had a vision of where she was going and what she was doing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you can't have you can't have two pilots, you know, on the same ship that are, you know, both trying to steer can only go one direction. Right. So kind of reminds me of yeah. a star is born. Did you watch that? Yes. With I Lady Gaga, Gaga and Bradley Cooper, the newer one. But just like her star was rising as his was setting right? yes yeah and so yeah. that that was just tough especially in a time where she's woman he's man this is his show what he says goes and but he also at the same time that he was putting her in her putting her in her place when he did that commercial break he brought her back out and he let her sing a duet with him which you never let them sing a duet. They were like the peace parts. Remember Hee Haw? Like someone would <laughs> jump in and give their little, you know, they're the background section. <laughs> Forgot about Hee Haw. You know? Who's the background section? Uh, women. Anybody. The women were always the background section. And Porter Wagner, when after that kind of happened with the audience, he allowed her to have a to sing a duet with him and then that became kind of common for them to do duets because you didn't do duets you yeah she was his backup she was his accessory right and he he changed that so even though like you're not gonna change everything but, right but he created the, an opportunity for her that nobody else would have right and so like so they ended it was not an amicable breakup like she wanted out she worked two more years she just felt like um, in the book, Song Teller, she finally just said, I just felt like my feet were nailed to the floor and I had to get free. I just had to get free. And they had been fighting a lot. And you could see in the later episodes like that there was tension there. And that's when she wrote um, the song, I Will Always Love You. And to tell him kind of how she felt. She's like, I was always going to be in an argument and Porter always wanted to win and I just had to leave. And so it's so funny in the, um, in the audio of song teller, she said, Porter's not here to speak for speak up for himself. Cause he's passed away now. And she says, so I'll do it for him. And she says, I understand where he's coming from. It was his show. And he had a vision of Things were going great. He was on top. It was the number one show for their song, their time, you know, their their time of the week or whatever. And and he didn't want it to change. And she just wanted more. And so so she's just and because he was super nasty to her immediately thereafter. So they broke up. They she left the show. She thought everything was great. And then he sued her for three million dollars is what he sued her for. And she settled out of court for a million dollars, which she's like, I had no, I had nowhere near that much money. Took her years to pay him off. The, the amount was supposed to not be disclosed, but she's like, since he wrote about it in his book, I guess I can write about it here. Um, and it took her years to pay him back. And he went on, I mean, he trash talked her everywhere immediately thereafter. And she's so sweet and forgiving and she said, 
uh, you know, I understand where he was coming from. She's like, it, he, it didn't end up the way that he wanted it. And I understand he was upset. And that was just kind of him lashing out. And uh, Dekuma, tell, her, tell about what happened later in their relationship. Well, he eventually, you know, gets, he gets older, gets sick, but he loses his record label. He has to sell as as things go bad, and I can't remember what happened, what the steps were, but just like his star had fallen. And so he sold and had lost the rights to his his songs, her songs, because her songs that were promoted under him were now his songs. Right. And um, secretly, Dolly Parton had bought his record label and her record label back. She had bought those and owned them. And she heard that he was passing away and she went to see him and, you know, just told him that she forgave him and hopefully he forgave her. But when he passed away, she gave that record label to his children. She just gave all rights back to them. She didn't sell it to him. She didn't, you know, have to get money out of it. She knew that it was theirs and she wanted them to have that legacy of their dad's. And so I just... Uh, that that action alone just made me love her even more. I thought that's someone yep. that number one didn't have the money to pay him off. He had he had sued her and kind of made her life miserable. It took her all those years to pay it back, and in the end, she bought it and she knew how important it was to him because she still knew that that's that that was how she got her start was from him. Yep. Yep, and it's um, somewhere in the song teller book. I don't, I can't find it because I didn't mark the page. Was that she did have a a duet with him about six months before he died? They sang together, and and then that um, happened. But she just like that kind of forgiveness is um, exceptional. And in this um, Dolly Parton's America, one on the first episode when he's kind of introducing Dolly. Um, some of the questions come up. So there's questions and answers that that first episode and then at the very end episode, they, some college students ask. But one of the questions was somebody wanted to know, how do you practice your faith? And she says, I don't practice it, I live it. And I thought that is such a great like way to phrase it. And she said, some people might think that I'm crazy if, um, if they saw me in my house. Sometimes something will go great. And I'll just give a high five up to God. I'm like to say, thank you, God, for like whatever has happened in her life. So she essentially kind of prays always, which I thought was really, um, you know, as a fellow Christian, I thought that that was very telling. You know, she doesn't go to church a lot. She still loves the Pentecostal faith and she'll sometimes go and she loves to go, but she doesn't want to talk religion a particular religion she never wants to shove her religion down anyone's throat she just wants the opportunity to live her faith and if you can't tell what she believes by the way she lives then she doesn't feel like she's doing her job you know what i thought was funny is that she she says not to surround yourself with people who suck the life out of you and i can't think of what she calls them i call them dementors i call them dementors too (laughs) and that's exactly what i thought when she said that i thought oh I call those people dementors. You have to keep keep away from them because they suck the joy and happiness Emotional out of Emotional vampires life. are another phrase. That's, she uses the vampires, and there's something else she uses. But, yeah, she's like, she just lived her life to be happy. You forgive. You don't be bitter. And I can't think of anything more Christian than that, to forgive and give back. 
And yeah. and that's what her imagination library is. That's the that's the big thing. Had you heard of that, Nona, before? Um, no. What is it? So, I don't what's <laughs> I don't think I heard about it. Okay, so um, back when her dad was still alive, so her dad did not have the opportunity to go to school, and he had to leave school when he was like, well, before he could read or write, so I don't know if he ever went to school. Um, And so he was illiterate, and he was really ashamed of that, and she didn't want him to be ashamed of that. And But he never had a book like to read and so he was never taught to read he had to work in the fields from the time he was just little and so they started dolly started this imagination library where kids in her county started out as just the one county in tennessee that if they if a child wanted a book if they wrote into the imagination library they would mail them a book because dolly knew that some kids in the mountains didn't have any books in their home at all. And um, so obviously she hasn't funded this all by herself. I'm sure she funds it a lot, but she gets a lot of people to help donate and um, run her imagination libraries. And so it started just in that one little county in Tennessee, and pretty soon all the other counties in Tennessee were like, hey, wait, we would sure like to have an imagination library you know, access to that for our, the children in our counties as well. So pretty quick. I mean, it was quick. It was all over Tennessee and then it spread all over, essentially all over the world. Like it's in, I don't know how many hundreds of countries and every state in the United States that you can have access to the imagination library. And she said that she really felt like that her dad was more proud of that than her singing. She's like, he was always proud of my singing and my career, but he just got such a kick out of um, when he would be out with Dolly and they would, and the kids would call her the book lady. Oh yeah. There, there goes the book lady. And he was just tickled right to death, you know, at first. And he, she wasn't Dolly Parton. She yeah, wasn't the she singer. Was, she yeah. Was she was the, the book, book lady. And that really, and she just really wanted to kind of shine a light that there are people in this world that don't know how to read and write and maybe it's not their fault and and like let's try to combat that because reading and writing is such a you know essential part of being a human in our world so I just thought that was amazing and what you know I love books and so I can get right on board with that they said at last count there was over 40 million books that they'd given away and they thought that they would be in the billions before too long like they were just crazy amounts because it was just escalating so quickly yeah, that's amazing. And then that was when she told them, the fifth and sixth graders, that made them look at each other, and they had to promise that they would graduate from high school because they had like mm-hmm. a 34% dropout rate. And if they if they made it to high school graduation, she would give each one of them $500, but they had to have a partner, and they had to get their partner to graduate too. So they raised graduation rate. Was that in this one? I fell asleep um, at the end of the no, to- song teller. Just in one of her interviews, stories. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and so they they raised graduation rate, and that's when she that was before the imagination library because oh. then they started funding. Well, well, the problem wasn't in fifth and sixth grade; the problem was earlier. And so earlier. then they went back to earlier, earlier, and then they're like, okay, well, kids are coming to kindergarten that can't read and write, and some are excelling. What's the difference? And then the ones that are excelling, you're giving stars. So the ones that aren't excelling feel worse, and their self esteem is terrible. And so then 
they're like, okay, well, why are they coming without reading? Well, their parents don't read to them or don't want to read to them or don't have the, the books yeah. to read to them, all of these different reason, reasons. So then she funded aids in all of the schools, extra aids for every classroom. And then they they went to the imagination library. Like, okay, we need to give them access to books. Yeah. So it started with the fifth and sixth graders. Moved and she down, just moved down. And that's what the foundation yeah. now is focused on, is just giving kids the opportunity to read. So... I didn't ever find out how many of those kids graduated. And yeah. I know there's a number because I've heard the story before. I'll have to look it up. But I don't know how many graduated. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. It was really just a fascinating, like, there's so many projects that she's done. So, like, on Netflix, there was the Christmas special. Did you watch it? Yep. It was like, at, uh, Nona, did you watch it, the Christmas special this year? No, I didn't. Oh, my gosh. It was super cute. It was just kind of like, it reminded me of a almost like a road show. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. it was just really like a, a video of a play. It was really cute. Know. When you watch her, she just makes me happy. She, yep. she makes people feel good when she's around them. And that's why yeah, you, you like her. Yep. Yep. It doesn't matter what she does. Put her in nine to five acting, oh singing. I mean, nine to five was hilarious. Was it not? <laughs> yeah. Um, the new shows on Netflix. She so always are... protects rights. She, She's yep. always fighting for the underdog. Um, yep. Her coat of many colors, she was really proud that she gets letters from teachers from all over the U.S. that use that as a bullying. I think about bullying that, you know, this they is an example. Book. Oh, I didn't, I they, forgot about that. They wrote a book. Somebody took her story and with her permission, of course, wrote a book for the Imagination Library. Oh, and that's one of the first books the kids get. That they get. Because I think they get a book a year or a book, a like, I don't, I don't even know. She's amazing. And now we need to do a pilgrimage to Dollywood. And that's what we're going to do next year. Next so. year, 2022, we're going to Dollywood. Are Nona, you in? Are you in? Um, where's, it, where's Dollywood? Tennessee. And we got to go to the Appalachian Mountains. <laughs> yep. Sounds like fun. We could probably go to Nashville. Yep. I don't know if this is a road trip. It might need to be a plane trip. I think we're going to have to go on a plane. That's a really long... Tennessee is I far... I can't drive to Tennessee. Away. I can't either. That's like three days. Yeah, there's no way. i got to fly. i got to fly, take some <clears throat> Dramamine, sleep. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Five-hour yeah, flight. Yeah, a couple hours. Mm -hmm. Yep. So we gotta go. We got to go to um, to Dollywood. And they have at Dollywood, they have a, um, her Tennessee Mountain home. Um, they have a replica right there at Dollywood and they have like apparently the um she rebuilt her school hologram like her whole little town is yeah, like rebuilt church and mm -hmm. all that. but they have a hologram that comes in and that's what the guy was saying on her podcast on the podcast Dollywood uh, Dolly Parton's America you know what could only make this better as if they had a wizard and a wand <laughs> <laughs> I could really get on board with this. <laughs> Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> I mean, all right, sorry. You got a little Harry Potter crossed there a little bit. So, yeah, just amazing. So we're, we we got to go to Dollywood, and we got to go to the Appalachian Mountains, and um, we might need to look into making sure that we have an imagination library around um, our area. What else do we need to do? Oh, let's talk about her music now. Like, just as a recap, then we'll do favorite things and we can be done. It's favorite song. Favorite Dolly Parton song. Oh, I do love Jolene and I will always love you. 
and there's one more. Let me think about that. What about you, Nona? Favorite Dolly Parton song? Do you have one? Um, I I like I Will Always Love You. I do like Jolene, too. And do you know what else? Let's just zig and zag off here. Go right ahead. I like when they talked about, when she talked about Whitney Houston and talked about, um, you know, like she wouldn't sell that song to Elvis. Yes. I Will Always Love You. He wanted yep. to do it. But you then 20-ish years later, she let Whitney Houston record it. And I love that she says, well, it didn't sound like that when I sang it. I didn't yeah. know it could sound like that, you know. <laughs> she did. She said in another thing, she said she took that song and made it something else. Like she just, and she has said several times in like the Song Teller book and in her other books that the songwriting, she said, oh, this is what I called Dekuma yesterday to tell her, is that she was talking about her songs and she says, I like, because she's written 3,000 plus songs. Some people think it's 5,000. They don't know. But anyway, she's like, I say that I have 3,000. I've written 3,000 songs and I've only got three good ones. <laughs> and then she said, which just cracked me up. She says, well, you know, they're not all going to be good. It's like kids. They're not all pretty. <laughs> she said, but the, but the songs just had to come out of her. That's her way of expressing herself. And she just writes and writes and writes. Do you know what else I love too is that she... The, the Dumplin' soundtrack. Did you ever oh, watch Dumplin' on Netflix? Amazing. Oh, I loved it. Well, so yep. they asked her to write one song for that, and she wrote all of them. She said they asked her to write, like, a few songs for a Broadway musical, like 10, which for, I should say 10 It's 9 to 5. And she the wrote musical. 34 songs. She's like, they couldn't use them all. <laughs> I, I, I kind of know how that is, though. Like, when you're trying to write something, like, I would try and write a poem. And it's like you got have so many ideas. You no, know, you have so many ideas, you don't know which one to pick. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I, I kind of get relate. that. Can't either. <laughs> I'm drawing a blank with that yeah. one. No, no, so I'm have, glad that you're talented. Somebody so needs to be. I'm on Spotify and I'm looking at the Dolly Part. This is Dolly Parton playlist, which I've been listening to. And by the way, for all you people who have a Peloton like bicycle, that there is a Dolly Parton ride. It's 30 minutes of all Dolly songs. That's amazing. So um, I am looking at some of my favorite songs. So mom had Dolly Parton's Greatest Hits, which I'm sure she's had 20 albums like that now. But it was the one where Dolly had like almost like a fro, like the short curly hair mm -hmm. and a red dress on the front yeah. of it. Listen to it all the time. And so my favorite Dolly songs come off that. So there's Heartbreak Express, Two Doors Down. Oh, Two Doors Down was good. Um... Islands in the Stream, mm -hmm. Hard Candy Christmas. I have to listen to that one every Christmas. And then, let's see, and then the ones that I've let, oh, Applejack is on that one. I really like that one, too. Um, let's see what I, other did ones. Did you like Joyful Noise? Oh, I, I love about her that. movies love as much as I love her music. Yeah. Joyful Noise, I absolutely loved. You know what, one I haven't saw, but I haven't seen? Yes. Goodness, I can't speak. Grammarly, yeah, go on. <laughs> Godfrey. Uh, Straight Talk. Do you remember that one? It's with James Woods. Oh, yeah. I bought the DVD. It came today. I'm going to go home and watch it. <laughs> There's some good ones. Yeah. Well, Brent, well, I think I think about her. I, You know, like our belief that everything good comes from God. Mm -hmm. I think she is... She, which I think our gifts come from God, that, and she's obviously a very gifted person. And then 
took her talents and multiplied them. Yep. And I think that everything, just everything that she does, I mean, she's, she's so, I'm grateful, you know, grateful to God for everything that she has. And I think that that just, you know, the joy and the, and the light that she has, I think that she brings that to everything she does. And I think yep. that it's just like multiplying your talents, just like the, okay, what is the, what do you call it? MS moment. Um, what is the word? That's okay. I don't have MS and I can't remember what I have. In, the, what my the, words what either. The, I don't the know what you're for, trying to like say. Like the story, parable. It's like the parable. The in parable Bible, of the you know, talents? Yes. She multiplies her talents and just multiplies them and multiplies them. And then, then you know, she can never have enough, you know? I mean, she, like, everything she does, she just, like, makes more and more and shares more and more. And mm-hmm. so she just is given more and more, oh, I think. One I think thing that I forgot she just, to tell you all. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, Nona. Keep talking. I think she just has an unlimited, Mm -hmm. I just think she hasn't, she's such a good person. I think she just has an unlimited, just an unlimited supply because she shares, Yeah, you know, and it's willing. So speaking of that, you reminded me that, so in chapter seven of Song Teller, it talks about they're singing my songs. And so these are the people who have sung the songs that she has written. Obviously, Porter Wagner. Linda Ronstadt, Tina Turner, Glenn Campbell, Reba McIntyre, Buck Owens, Chris Christopherson, Willie Nelson. Let's see, obviously Whitney Houston, Tom Jones, Randy Travis, Take Six, and Leanne Rhymes. But if you... Oh, we got a little music going on. But even Joan Osborne, um, Shania Twain, Loretta Lynn, Patti Loveless, Allison Krauss, Michael Bolton, Il Devo, Oak Ridge Boys, Kristen Chenoweth, and there's just like that whole chapter, like these songs, some of these songs you've heard, you didn't even know that she was the one who wrote them, you know, but that's her, like her gift is obviously not just the singing and the wonderfulness is she just writes songs and she likes to write songs too from a, the man's voice. You know what I love about her is I think about her like I do um, Chad's grandma, that she Dorothy. is very, yes. Very classy. Yes. Always a lady. Yes. There's a there's a little bit of a <laughs> cusser in there, which yeah. Dorothy wasn't a cusser, but always a lady. Like she yep. she kind of rose above everything else. Yeah. So that's kind of what she reminds me of. Yeah, she's amazing. We love her. If you are not a Dolly fan, well, you probably will be by the end of this episode, right? Mm-hmm. Like, just go you look. Be. You should be. Go look at her stuff. Did you have a little uh, song to play for us? Um, I did, but Nona, do you want to add anything before? No, I just love her. <laughs> I just think she's cute. We. will be one of those people when they die that the that the world will mourn. Oh my goodness! I know we can't think about that. She's still pretty young though, and pretty healthy. Yeah. So we need to. She's do... only seventy-two. Yeah, that's good. We need to do our little shout out of things that we like. Favorite things. Obviously, Dolly Parton. <laughs> um, I had bought Christmas presents for my sisters. One of them doesn't have her present yet because it's sitting in the back of my car still. What is it? It's only March. It'll be <laughs> April, the end of this week. So, Nona, this is a spoiler alert, but your, <laughs> your present is one of my favorite things. 
that's been sitting back there in a cute little Christmas bag. But um, it's this cute little bracelet. They're Bijou bracelets, yep. and it's B-I-J-O-U. And I wear mine to work out. I wear it all the time. I wear it to shower, and they are darling. Super cute. And I bought my sister's one to share in the cuteness. Yep, I love mine. And Morta wears hers all the time. Yep, I wear it to work. And, and Nona can't wear hers because Nona, yours is in the back of my car. Well, let me just tell you something. This is really sick, but if you get it to me quickly, I can still put it under the tree. <laughs> <laughs> I love Christmas, and I'm just telling you, I love my Christmas tree with the lights. And I don't have visitors because we're in a pandemic. And it makes me happy. So I still have my you know Christmas what? tree up. You go, girl. I will that see is the you. best thing ever. I will see you on Easter. Well, the day before Easter, actually. <laughs> At the now. Easter egg hunt. Yeah. That's not on Sunday. That's I, on I, Saturday. Yeah, that's I, Saturday. It's Saturday. I was going to take it down this weekend, you know. And by this weekend, I mean last weekend. But, you know, I did turn the lights on to watch movie. I've been watching movies at night. And I turned my Christmas tree lights on because it no, makes no, me happy. No, no, don't let anybody steal your wind. <laughs> you know? Well, hey, you know? Last year, I I took it down by St. Patrick's Day. You know, the year before that, it was Valentine's, Valentine's Day. But I think, you know. Easter is a good time. Except yeah. if you well, wait. Um, well, my, if you do take it uh, my down. My son-in-law by... told me that if I, you know, I should just push through now because I'm almost <laughs> that's halfway kind of there. What, that's you what know? we're thinking. <laughs> well, I guess. Christmas so. in July. Well, I got to dust the ornaments, though, you know. <laughs> if you just set this present under there even for a minute, it will still officially be a Christmas present. And it's now by uh, right. your birthday. Yeah, and, and I didn't get you a birthday present because I couldn't think of anything. I couldn't either. Sorry. I probably have one of everything anyway. Well, I was yeah. really kind of disheartened when it was your birthday and I was looking at your Christmas present <laughs> in my bag. In my car. So, if that tells you anything. Oh, my favorite thing that I have to shout out, Heidi Swap Stamp Society. Like, I love stamps and planner stamps and stuff like that. So, check her out. Like, again, we don't have paid sponsors. We just like things. And, uh... What's her name? Dekuma over here is wearing now the white version of the five thousand dollar pajamas with the price <laughs> every time. Inflation. What do I love? I love my cups from our merch producer. Oh, oh and we gosh. do have what's what's the merch store? The merch store is Moon Jelly. Oh, I don't know. Hang on. Don't get it wrong. Just oh. wait. Don't say something that I can't take back. Yeah, moonjellyboutique.square.site. Or she's just moon.jelly.boutique on Instagram. Oh, there you go. And uh, we have Sister Squad merch. Right now it's cups, but we could we could branch out to t-shirts and sweatshirts. Just tell us what you want. We don't have an email yet, but we will. We've already sold merchandise, so <laughs> we're a thing. We're, we're trending. <laughs> We're about to go viral. Yep. We've had a thousand people listen to us, which is like beyond belief. <laughs> Thank you, whoever is listening to this. <laughs> I know that there's three plus my daughters, my son. None of my kids listen because they're terrible people. Um, well, Liesl did, but she's on a mission in Vegas. My, uh, not my kids don't either, but my husband does. My husband doesn't. Oh, he had to listen. Well, mostly I think he listened because I told him I was talking about him. My, you know? my 
family in South Carolina listens. Oh, shout that's out. right. Shout, shout out, out to, to South Carolina. South Carolina. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> we love you. Thank you, Austin, Brittany. Um, and then shout out to my nurse friends. Woo, woo. <laughs> I have some friends at work that listen also. And I've hidden my identity from all the people I know. So. <laughs> Smart. I, I have been slowly relaxing those guidelines the last little while yeah that's so funny we are going to get an email i promise i really just forgot to get an email i tried to do it on my phone i really need to do it on my computer we'll have an email you can email us topics you want us to talk about and also um give us your favorite things because we might like share favorite things you know like if there's something like that we're missing out on we need to know Hmm. so that's all we have for tonight that's it. Awesome podcast, ladies. Anything, yeah. Nona? No, I got nothing. I'm boring today. That's okay. Some days, some days it's like that. Some days yeah. you're just trying to survive it. You know what? And Dolly is the best. So, like, we really just need to shine a light on her and she'll take over. It's so true. And, you know... When we go to Dollywood, how are we going to, like, show pictures? We need an Instagram or something. Yeah, we do. <laughs> I'll work on that this week. <laughs> an Instagram, because we're going to have to take snapshots at Dollywood of her Tennessee Mountain home and all of that. Oh, my gosh. There was a song I wanted to play, and now I can't find it. So should we just go with the old good standby? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> We'll just end with Jolene. I like it. What do you think, Brenda? Oh, no, no. I love Jolene. I can just hear mom singing. (laughs) As she vacuums? Yeah. (laughs) And swishing her butt when she vacuums. We want to thank everybody for listening this week. We also have a little bonus track, which which is just us in the squad talking about Dr. Fauci and the mask mandate and the fact that it's going to end tomorrow, which is a hallelujah. Can I get a hallelujah? Um, April 10th. So anyways, listen to the bonus tracks if you want, or we'll see you next time. Thank you. He got his. Cameron got on to try and sign up, and he can't find an appointment anywhere. That's how Jeremy was, too. So he'll just have to wait till one opens up. But um, but him and Chesney had it when? Just mm. after yeah. Thanksgiving? No, Christmas. Yeah, it was yeah, Christmas. I think they're they're getting close enough to, that I like that I've seen people have recaught it. So it doesn't take very long that you can get the, a different variant. You know. I asked uh, so. my my friend that works at the hospital today. I said, "What's what's the word?" I go because they have a they have a huddle every morning and I said what's the word that they're giving you in the huddle and he just said that the other variants are coming in and the vaccine's not working so great against them yeah but I don't trust I don't trust Dr. Fauci I trust data and the hospitals but Dr. Fauci can go suck an egg well he yeah he just says whatever I mean, he changes his tune like the wind, you know, so. And like the rest of us don't know that he just said something else the week before. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I mean, and the the other variants, like if you get this a mutation, I mean, I understand that people are getting sick, but at some point it's no longer a novel virus, right? Like the big deal with it being a pandemic yeah. is that your body has never seen anything like it and it just knocks you out. So, so wait for this. Hear me out here. <laughs> the CDC came out today and said that the vaccination, the COVID-19 vaccination, kills 90% of illnesses and infections. Well, there is something, too, as far as, like, if you um, are vaccinated. So, we just keep going through with that thought. Yeah, but, right. If, like, it, if it is, why the F am I still wearing a mask? Well, that's what I want to get some custom-made mask that says, I don't need to wear this. This is... <laughs> I'm vaccinated. This, I'm vaccinated. This mask is superfluous. Like, I, it's ridiculous. Hmm. Okay, you need to invest in that because I want one. <laughs> this is, like, yes. um, was this it mask wasn't, is unnecessary. It was Rand Paul talking to Dr. Fauci. Did yes. you see that? And he's like, so this that mask you're wearing is theater. I've been vaccinated. You've been vaccinated. And you're wearing two masks. And Rand Paul's a doctor. He's like, you and I know that that's what vaccines do is they prevent the infection. So this is, at this point, this is theater. <laughs> Dr. Fauci was pissed. He's so mad. It's like, yeah, well, it is. That's exactly what it is. If You're wearing it for show. fits. And then the, the the reporters who asked Ted Cruz to put on a mask. Yeah, I love that. And he that. was like. Did you watch that one, Brenda? Ah. Well, he, they asked him to put on a mask and he said, no, I'm not going to wear a mask. I've. He's like, when I talk to the, the camera, I'm not going to wear a mask, and I've been vaccinated. And then the reporter said, well, we would feel better. And he goes, well, feel free to take a step back. <laughs> you can move over there. Like, at what point are you, at what point are we going to, like, wear masks forever? Well, no, we're not. Some people might, and that's their, absolutely well, that's, their right. You, they go right go ahead. Go ahead and do it. Yeah. But I'm done. April 10th. Spencer Cox, <laughs> Spencer Cox makes it okay. I'm done. Yeah. I'll still have to wear it at work, and I will. I, I, I will too. I'll wear it at work. We'll wear it Because that's what I have to do, and that's fine. But well, am I going to wear it when I go to Zupa's? No. Are you, I'm not. Are you um, going to mom's on Sunday? Brenda? I don't know. It depends on what the weather does. Probably. Saturday, you mean? Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Saturday's the Easter egg hunt. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Of course I meant Saturday. Oh, she, what did you guys think She I totally meant? didn't mean Saturday. In Morgan Freeman's voice. But she didn't mean Saturday. Saturday. <laughs> Gosh, that means yeah. I got to plan a Sunday dinner. I was actually... And mom corrected me, too. She's like, no, it's Saturday. Do you want me to write it on your hand? Oh, my gosh. I'm a moron. But that's all right. <laughs> I've got to plan an Easter dinner. It's going to be... I didn't think about an Easter dinner till right four seconds ago. <laughs> Lasagna? I don't know. 